Hi, this is Elizabeth Collins from New Zealand Vegan Podcast. You can find me at nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. I'm in Auckland, New Zealand, and right now you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, episode 60, a very special episode indeed, the only vegan in the village. This will be the last episode I record before boarding a plane from Invercargill to Christchurch, halfway up the South Island of New Zealand, then a further plane to Auckland in the North Island for the National Animal Rights Conference 2011. I'm very excited. I'll be able to meet all the vegan friends I've made online, such as Elizabeth Collins of NZ Vegan Podcast, William Paul and Demi James. Oh, and there's some three-day thing as well. Bunch of people speaking, free food already included in the ticket price, but it feels free at the time. That's what matters. Here's an announcement about the conference on the Wellington-based radio show Animal Rights and Wrongs. All right, that was the Beatles with Come Together, and it's I think that's quite appropriate for... Um, there's a three-day animal rights conference in Auckland in two weeks' time, and it's set to attract... What, um, one of the largest contingencies of animal rights advocates uh, in quite a while. One of the organisers of the event is SAFE campaign director Elliot Pryor. Good morning, Elliot. Good morning. Good day. Let's turn the volume up a bit. Now, the theme for the conference is Why Animals Matter. But um, what is the main um, um, reason for having the conference? Well, it's something that uh, I guess we're trying to do as a regular thing. It's not a regular thing. But um, we've, it's been two years since the last conference, and I guess there's a, there's a few objectives. I mean, basically to get people who are active in the animal rights scene in New Zealand all together in one place and to, um, yeah, just to inspire each other and to find out where we're at and to see where we're going. And, um, yeah, and I, I guess another objective is to try and bring new people into it and maybe new people who, who have started to get involved, get them into the you know, into this thing which we call a movement and, you know, give them the sense that it is a movement and that we are going somewhere. Excellent. Yeah, it's a really good excuse to eat some great vegan food and <laughs> uh, catch up with people and, yeah, it, it serves a whole lot of purposes, I think. That's good enough for me. I'm going up on the 20th of this month, a few days from now. Okay, so this episode isn't that special. I just have a few clips to share. Nothing big planned. I noticed the This Is My Next podcast mentioned veganism. This is a general tech show, surely listened to by hundreds of thousands. It's great that they know what vegan means and that they'd effectively be giving us a little bit of advertising. Although there was an assumption that these vegan marshmallows would be gross without all those yummy bits of skin and hooves we all crave. Low fuel prices (laughs) and affordable food for everyone uh, that is not shot up full of antibiotics and other processed materials like no that's European now come on like glue oil and 
fish blurples. I also had some delightful <laughs> vegan marshmallows at your house. Oh, that's right. We did have some great vegan marshmallows. I was surprised really at how, how delicious they were. There's no but, way um, they were any good. They but, were really uh, good. I left before that. Could they were much I was really pleased to hear the V word in one of the non-animal rights shows I subscribe to. It just shows we're growing as a movement. I also listened to the audiobook version of 1984. This is from Near the End. Fear and treachery and torment, a world of trampling and being trampled upon, a world which will grow not less but more merciless as it refines itself. Progress in our world will be progress toward more pain. The old civilizations claimed that they were founded on love and justice. Ours is founded upon hatred. In our world there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph, and self-abasement. Everything else we shall destroy. Everything. Already we are breaking down the habits of thought which have survived from before the revolution. We have cut the links between child and parent, and between man and man, and between man and woman. No one dares trust a wife or a child or a friend any longer. But in the future there will be no wives and no friends. Children will be taken from their mothers at birth as one takes eggs from a hen. Oh really? So you mean female humans will screech if you even come close to their nest and make a kind of ribbiting noise in the back of their throat? Feathers all sticking up as they try and peck you? They'll literally fight to the death to protect their eggs, their growing children? Or do you mean that we're just going to ignore all this and just do whatever the hell we like to them because we treat them like things? Maybe that. The sex instinct will be eradicated, procreation will be an annual formality like the renewal of a ration card. We shall abolish the orgasm. Our neurologists are at work upon it now. There will be no loyalty except loyalty toward the party. There will be no love except the love of Big Brother. There will be no laughter except the laugh of triumph over a defeated enemy. There will be no art, no literature, no science. When we are omnipotent we shall have no more need of science. There will be no distinction between beauty and ugliness. There will be no curiosity, no employment of the process of life. All competing pleasures will be destroyed. But always, do not forget this, Winston, always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing subtler. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Ha ha ha, good old socialism, eh? I'm a big believer in Richard Dawkins. This is from his Root of All Evil two-part special. After he visited a megachurch in America, the leader man got all flustered and apparently snapped. Ted Haggard later found out to be doing all kinds of drugs and after railing against homosexuality, he was having all kinds of affairs with his massage boys. Dawkins didn't interview him for all that. That stuff came out later. It's just interesting. So many of the American religious leaders end up to be heavy drug users. The ones who are all homosexuals have no heart, they have no pulse, and all. They turn out to be gay themselves, trying to repress who they truly are. We just had a rather disconcerting experience. We were just packing up our stuff ready to go, and he suddenly drove up in his pickup truck and said, get off my land immediately, I'll have you thrown in jail, and I'll seize your film. And he then said a very curious thing, he said, you called my children animals. Afterwards we worked out that what he must have meant was that I talked about evolution. He thought I was saying that his flock were animals, which of course in a sense I was, because all humans are animals. That's going to be a clip I'll keep. 
To hear world-renowned biologist Richard Dawkins say we are all animals, human animals, non-human animals, it's cool. I use a clip of Dawkins in my opening. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Where he was talking with that kind of vegan guy, Peter Singer or whatever his name is. Signed up as a butcher, I get emails from our pork board when there's another big media attack. When all those awful vegans who run every current affairs show, television network, radio station and newspaper in the country attack the poor little animal exploitation industries. Like by covering shocking animal welfare breaches. They're all biased, you know. All run by vegans, of course. They should just shut up and do whatever our PR nonsense shouts at them. Everything is good. War is peace. Freedom, foods, is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Here's what the show What's in Our Food, or What the Hell Are We Eating, or The Things in Our Stuff, whatever it's called, they covered a little how pork is grown. It's pretty sick listening to it, when they talk about mothers and their babies. They don't mention how we force them into pregnancy multiple times each year, how we kill their children at about four months old according to the program. It's slaughter, which isn't shown. How do we do all this to other animals? Honestly, it's gross to watch. I'd like to play this bit. We are pork board, CEO Sam McIver, the guy who has to front up for every welfare expose, all the screaming pigs overdubbed, the cockroaches running up the walls, all that evil factory farming stuff. Here, he brushes off any suggestions that being kept in a cage, practically unable to move for a whole life, could make a mother upset. And sheep in the paddocks, but where exactly are all the pigs we're eating? Conventional farms can be indoor, outdoor, or a mix, largely depending on the local environment. 59% are indoor. It's easier to control temperature. Sam McIver of New Zealand Pork has agreed to show me around a typical farm. Life for pigs differs from farm to farm. In most conventional ones, it begins in one of these, a farrowing crate. The whole design here is about keeping the sow from rolling on the piglets. The aim for the pig farmer is to grow as many pigs as they possibly can, and obviously um, they don't want pigs dying. Around 60% of all sows in New Zealand are confined in farrowing crates for up to five weeks until their piglets are weaned. Farrowing crates roughly halve the number of piglet deaths during weaning, but the mortality rate is still around 12%. The SPCA wants them banned, saying restricting a pig's movement for long periods can lead to demented behaviour. New Zealand Pork says they're looking to make improvements, but there are no plans to phase them out. So you're a parent, I'm a parent. Does anything about this operation strike you as perhaps a little bit cruel? Uh, absolutely not. These sows are very happy. They're doing what they naturally uh, do, which is they eat and they lie down and feed their pigs. This was as sanitised a view as could be. This glimpse of factory farming systems was a spotless white cubicle from what we could see with a clean heat lamp and fan above the nearly new looking stall, the friggin' cage in non-politically correct language. The bars had a sort of handlebar on each side that went in so the mother pig wouldn't be able to turn around back there. It would essentially lock her rear legs upright, a little like training wheels on a child's bike to keep her upright and stable. And this idea of, oh yeah, nah, she bloody loves that stuff, eating, lying down and having these little pink buggers sucking on her all day, that's all she ever wants out of life. That clip, shortened a little, 
we'll join my other favourites from the Animal Agricultural Kiwi Classics Division for replaying, such as the chairman of uh, Colossal Dairy Corporation, Fonterra, trying to avoid the question of abortions on pregnant cows to get the damn byproduct baby out of there as quick as possible. Okay, I mean, I am under the understanding that you induce cows on your farm, is that right? Hey, we weren't going to go here. Uh, do you, do you hey, induce, hey, do you induce cows on your farm? No, 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 there now, that was easy enough, wasn't it? And Chairman van der Hayden gets over $250,000 a year for that position alone. The CEO of Fonterra makes over a million and a half bucks a year, plus bonuses. That works out to nearly 100000 New Zealand dollars a week, based on his last earnings. And lovable, dairy farmer Alan Crafer, the man who got over $200 million in debt, multiple cases of polluting rivers with shit, I mean, dairy nutrients, and having starved animals to death, babies locked in sheds without food because it was cheaper than feeding them. Hear him sharing his love of other animals with us. Now 13 days since the Crafer family were meant to have left their farm, they're still there. And they still owe $200 million. The banks want that money back now. And the receivers say they're going to get it. Tonight, for the first time on television, we have both sides of that story in full. In a moment, the receivers on what they've got up their sleeves. But first down on the farm, here's Tristram Clayton. She's just a handsome-looking Ayrshire cow that I thought would look good on the wall. And I thought the back end of her would taste nice, so we ate that. And It's fair to say Alan Crafer loves cows. Yeah, no, cows are what we do. Cows are our life. Back to the What's in Our Food show. Underfoot was a rubber anti-slip matting. The whole place looked awful. Just seeing it for half a minute on screen, let alone being trapped, practically unable to move, standing on rubber surrounded by metal bars, white shining walls. And that's the best the pork board could come up with. An obviously non-typical example, when we've all seen how most pig farms are, Damp shitholes, literally, flies, maggots, cockroaches, and rusty metal cages. This time, the cage was blindingly white, the metal bars weren't rusty, and the crap-covered concrete floor was brand new rubber. The host later visited a more typical pig farm that had closed. It's what we were used to seeing, and she stood in one cage, stating how it made her feel so sad. A later price comparison showed some common packaged pig corpses, and their price, that the Happy corpse cost nearly twice the price of the cruel, evil, factory-farmed flesh, and that she would personally be buying the ethical choice. I really feel we're doing a great job, just by promoting veganism, telling the truth how we feel towards others, that we don't agree with hurting and killing 56 billion other animals each and every year for our traditions, perceived pleasure, and profit. The last thing I'd like to share on this non-special episode, I finally ordered the vegan pizza, Sinister, available from Hell Pizza. This New Zealand pizza company is pretty cool. They have a Hell theme, which upsets our religious community every now and then. Hell, the devils, fire, flames. The cardboard pizza boxes have a cutout section on the top and bottom that folds into a coffin for your remains, it says. And they do stunts such as buying a guy's soul for a couple thousand dollars in an online auction. 
They also advertised when baby lambs are born and killed each year. Cartoon ads were skipping baby sheep bouncing around and then apparently being killed off camera so that lamb now on the menu can be advertised. But they also have a featured vegan pizza as well as the three vegetarian with dairy cheese by default pizzas. They have labelled the vegan pizza Sinister. I've taken photos of it on my blog www.coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz Gee, it's great having a vegan pizza readily available. Oh, but if only I had someone to share it with, rather than sadly walking home through the rain, uphill both ways. All alone here in Invercargill, the only vegan in the village. There's no other vegans here, you know. Nope, not at all, just me. And that's that. Just like that poor Daffod from Little Britain. All alone too. No other homosexuals in his hamlet. It's Julia o'clock here in the Welsh mining village of Clandui Brevi. And out gay man Daffod Thomas is enjoying a drink. Can I have another Bacardi and Coke, please, Mavanwe? Coming right, sir? Oh, bloody hell, Mavanwe, I'm so down. Why is that, David? It's so hard being the only gay in the village. Oh, I just dream of the day I can meet other gays who understand what it's like to be a gay. Oh, I was going to tell you. I was talking to old Mara Evans, and she's got a new lodger from Cardiff. And guess what? He is a gay. What? In the village? Apparently, yes. I told her to send him over here tonight so you could meet him. <laughs> this must be him now. Have a Bacardi and Coke, please. <laughs> oh, you must be Daffer. There you go. <laughs> I leave you boys to it. No, don't go. I... <laughs> Just passing through, are you? Oh, no, I've got a job here at the florist, and I'm looking for somewhere to live. I saw a very nice cottage, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you claim to be a gay, do you? Oh, yes, I, I am. And Mrs Evans said I should come and talk to you, because you're the only gay in the village. Well, now you're not. Now there's two of us. No, you are not a gay. I am gay. I am gay. <laughs> All right, then. If you're gay, who played Dorothy in the film The Wizard of Oz? Judy Garland. How do you know that? It's easy. Everyone knows that. All right, then. This'll get you. Who is the gay character and are you being served? Mr Humphreys. Was it? Yes! Well, that's very subtle, then. I always thought it was Captain Peacock. He's the one with the moustache. Well, I seem to have passed your gay test, so I must be gay. No, you are not a gay. I am the gay. You're probably just a little bit puffy. I am gay. I've had sex with men and everything. That's more than you've had, David. Shut up, Conway! <laughs> I am the only gay in this village, and that's that! Oh, maybe I should go. Yes, back to Cardiff. We've already got one gay in Clandui Brevi. We don't need another one. Well, goodbye then. Provincial Queens. <laughs> David Thomas, you bloody fool. You could have had a book <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, I'm the only gay in the village. You're full of shit, you are. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of homophobic attitude I'd come to expect in this village. Good day. Hello, my name is Ricky. I'm vegan and I live in Invercargill. How are you, Jordan? 
What well, hey, there's no vegans here in Invercargill except for me. I'm the only vegan in this village. <laughs> you must be making this up. That's crazy. I mean, okay, there's just one vegan here. There can't be more than one vegan here. Oh, actually, excuse me. Hey, who's I'm this? I'm Natalie, Ricky's partner, and I'm also vegan. Oh, you, you guys that's are having great. me on or something. I'm the no. only vegan in this no. village, and that's hey, that. Okay, I think we can quit the joke, guys. Um, This is my friend Natalie, <laughs> and this is my friend Ricky, who I've only met through audio and through text at the moment, and I'm hoping to put a, a face to the voice and the text. So it's great to meet you both. Thank you for both being on my show. G'day, Jordan. You're it's welcome. lovely to be here too, thanks. Um, yes, I, I think it's it's always great to meet actual other vegans that live in Invercargill, and um, although it is hard to believe and it takes away my bragging rights of being hard done by and that it's so difficult, um, it's awesome that you guys live here and I'm I'm really <laughs> glad to meet Natalie and I got an email from Natalie and uh, she'd seen the Invercargill Vegan Society website and said it, you know she'd like to meet and that you're doing a documentary. How is that going, Natalie? Um, pretty good at the moment. I'm just editing what I've got from you. Which is good. Okay. I and mean, I'm hoping to do some more interviews soon. It sounds really exciting, everything. And I'm, I mean, if there's anything I can do to help with getting other people to interview, it's, it sounds really cool. And what made you decide to start doing this documentary? Well, after watching Earthlings a few months ago, um, I just thought more people needed to know about this. And because, you know, veganism is such a wide issue, I um, kind of condensed it into like a focus of why people were drinking milk. So it's kind of the ethical and health reasons of why people are drinking milk, cow's milk. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's really cool that uh, we both met for the first time at the vegan cooking class, as I call it. It's a vegetarian slash vegan cooking class. It's a bit gross when they start, you know, get the old two liter of cow's milk out and a couple of eggs and cheese and things <laughs> that they throw in. It's a bit. Ugh. Um, it was cool to have a second vegan there, so we could both sort of give each other the look like, "Ew, those guys are really going to eat that." Um, but it's just really cool to meet you both. So, Ricky, what made you decide to be vegan? Um, well, I've been a vegetarian for a couple of years, and um, it was kind of Earthlings and Nelly's support that provoked me to become a vegan. Okay, that's always the way to do it. Peer pressure, sounds about right. You said, oh, I said, I said, Ricky. Yearnings to save sentient beings too, brother. I said, Ricky, I'm going to go vegan, and then in the morning he turned vegan as well, so... Right on Easter too, so no chocolate that Easter. <laughs> That's yeah, good in the morning. Yeah, we had eggs in the cupboard, and then and so what? Do we, what do we have for Easter? Oh, we brought like Ricky a beanie or something. Uh, I had a beanie for Easter, and nearly had a pillow for Easter. <laughs> Support the birth of your saviour by buying a beanie. It sounds good. I mean, it's you know about as arbitrary as buying chocolate eggs that have got someone's breast milk in the damn things. Um, it's just really we, cool. We got sent money to buy chocolate, but since that was a no-no, we just decided to. <laughs> Go to the old warehouse, big shed, and just try to find something else to spend the money on. Yeah, walk past the Easter eggs to the clothes. <laughs> so, non woolen clothes, by the way. Yep, all, all synthetic. Yeah. So, how many, Natalie, how many other people would you like to be in this documentary, and what, what other angles are you looking for on this? You mentioned wanting to have farmers themselves in it. Yeah, I would like to. Um, I want to look at the robotic milking farm that's been. Yeah. Set up in Southland. It's creepy. Uh, um, I thought that would be a um, good angle to yeah, go on. I've featured on my podcast before, and yeah, for yeah, people who don't remember what it looks like, it, it looks like a sort of automatic car wash sort of a thing, and the cows, they have a RFID sort of chip or 
bracelet or something around their necks and yeah the whole computers run it here and it milks them and, and everything and it's creepy and it also puts people out of work which I remember my father was a freezing worker in the 80s and they got this thing called a deep powder or something it rips the skin off the the sheep and um, this one machine it sort of cuts them around the neck or something and then it attaches to their fleece and pulls their whole skin off it sort of peels it back like um you know those another, another non-vegan thing a, a can of tuna you know the the fish in the can and like the can rolls back the top rolls back on it well that's what they do to take someone's skin off with the sheep and just by doing that it, it cut about 10 or 20 guys out of jobs and at first my dad remembered just when he was in that oh, sort of area yeah, he was in that area, and at first, the first sort of prototypes of the thing, it just sort of ripped the skin, like, right up. It made them, you know, their skins it just ripped in the shreds, and they were all laughing at the time at these sort of, these people were putting them out of a job, and the, the brainiacs, the university people, you know, they, they couldn't get the machine to work right. It was going crazy. It wasn't quite enslaving humanity like Skynet, but it was definitely going nuts. And um, I guess all these things, it's putting people out of jobs as well. So I don't know why the farmers would get, you know, the, the staff workers on the farms would be excited about these things, these automatic milkers too. No, that's, that's crazy, really. God. And Excuse shit. me, Jordan, brother. Sure thing. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, were the sh are the sheep alive when they're going through that skinning machine? No, they're, they're dead, of course. Um, they've been knocked in the head with a lovely little captive bolt stunner, you know, getting okay. shot in the head with like a pistol, basically. They've had their throats cut, and yeah, it's, it sounds bloody awful um, when you see the sort of videos of it. And I've got pictures of the machine yeah. that I took from a slaughterhouse book. It's on the Invercargill Vegan Society page. Uh, I, I don't like using graphic images. I, I've got like the covers of the books, and people can click on them if they want to see. And this is, this is trade images. I mean, it's not middle of the night, someone snuck in there with Open Rescue or whatever. This is the publications that they make for the for the actual slaughterhouses themselves. They're so proud of their work, you know, they want to show everyone what they do. And yeah, it's it, it basically cuts their skin around the neck or something, I think, and it peels them, the whole skin, the whole fleece off, and yeah, it's creepy. It's creepy everything we do, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Don't get me started. So, um... <laughs> I've got an, a couple of questions for you guys. It's one of the things that I'm always interested in when, when I speak with other vegans, um, when I interrogate them. Do you think using graphic images works? Because when I always talk about veganism with non-vegans, I always like to use friendly images. You know, I have the videos of my chicken friends. You know, they're just some little chickens, bantams. They're not, they're not violent. They're not threatening anyone. And they're just soft and gentle little animals. And I think that people can sort of relate to that kind of positive images it doesn't have to be machines that rip skin off <laughs> what do you guys think about using blood and guts images well i think because you know people come from all walks of life and stuff mm. you, you're bound to target more people if you say you got your happy chickens <laughs> you know with their, their hens and stuff and also the old um the graphic images is what did it for me and that's what really pulled my heart and thought this is just an insanity kind of thing, eh? Are you allowed to swear on this? Uh, you, apparently. <laughs> I'll let you through. You have failed. That's cool. Oh. Do you think... Gosh, this is darn insanity. Darn tooting, you're right. Um, do you think that seeing yes. sort of less graphic images would have worked? Or do you think you always would have had to see, like, people stomping on animals to death and punching them and the sexual abuse and all that kind of stuff? Do you think... How do you think you would have reacted? Because, uh, because I had blind is on so far, I think graphic images work best for me because that could really, you know, real shock to the system, like, this is what's going on out there kind of thing, behind those walls and stuff. Hmm. Well, I don't think, 
personally, I would have turned vegan if I hadn't seen Earthlings. Well, I've seen those graphic images. I recommend that though, everyone I sees it. It's nice to see. I yeah. recommend that everyone sees it. It's just, it's I nice prefer. To... <laughs> well, that's what's beautiful. Hey, like, we can all take different like reasonings to get to the same sort of veganism idea. Seeing the happy images or whatever and seeing how chickens and hens should be living as opposed to us seeing how they shouldn't be. But we both, both ways, we're both drawn to the same conclusion. I can agree with that. Um, I totally think possibly that... some people think that <laughs> this is going to be fun editing this guy. So we got a bit of delay. Um, I think I think personally, I just prefer to have the gentle images and to have things that wouldn't upset people. You know, like mothers and and fathers with their little children, and they'll claim that we've sort of ruined them. Like we've told them that Santa isn't real, and you know they're going to be in tears now. Um, I do personally wish that everyone would see our things. I think it should sort of be mandatory. And especially in an agricultural area like Southland, I think it really should almost be something in schools that they should say, hey, so you want to live in Southland? This is what we do to animals. And they'll be like, first we put the hand up the anus and then we insert the straw into her. We make her pregnant to kill her children and take her breast milk. You know, it should be like that um, episode of The Simpsons. Uh, what is it? Meet, meeting you, partners in freedom. When they go to the slaughterhouse, and it's all like saw blades and things chopping up animals, and, and the kids about to faint at the end of it. You know, at least of the vegetarian episode. Um, I think it would be good I if. I've seen that. I think I hope you have. I mean, otherwise we can't be friends, Natalie. Everyone's got to see that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> so I yes, do I've think. Definitely seen it. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's good that you said that. We can still be friends, you know, because um, I have so many <laughs> vegan friends living here, you know. I can afford to be picky with all the vegan friends I have. I can afford to be picky. So I, I do think I do think I do think graphic footage is very useful. I mean, it 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 sounds pretty silly to me to even have to call it graphic footage. It's just the truth. You're telling the truth. You're showing what really happens. You're not making it up or the worst case scenario. This is how they do it. And um, personally, though, I I would rather have just sort of really non-offensive stuff so that people can't blame me for being the bad guy, for showing them what actually happens, like telling the kids that there's no Santa Claus, you know. Um, I do recommend that everyone watches it, though. I've got a couple copies of Earthlings, and I lend them to people. So I do think things like that are useful. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys... Nat sent one up to her brother to watch. Did he watch it? Not sure. I didn't get back to me on that. I should ask him. <laughs> and I sent it to my parents and shared it and stuff, and a few people reacted... I've actually turned one woman, oh, I haven't turned her vegan, but I've influenced her veganism, which was quite cool. Well, the China nice. study was a big help for her too, my auntie. Yeah, I've I've read part of the book. I skimmed through it after listening to the full thing, the audio book of it. It's you know, over 10 hours long, and it's the calcium substitutes in the subject A were 5% lower than the deficient subject B. It's not very fun listening to that for 10 hours. But um, I definitely recommend things like that, the China study for the nutritional thing as well. But um, it's always been about ethics for me. I've only been vegan for a couple of years, I should say, too. Um, so we're all on this boat together. We're all learning about veganism around the same time. And um, it's just exciting to meet other vegans here. Well, it was great to have you both on, Ricky and Natalie. And it's really great to have some vegan friends that live in Invercargill, even though it takes away my bragging rights of being, like, the southernmost vegan in the world or something. Okay? <laughs> it's really nice to meet you both. <laughs> it's great to meet you too, John. It's lovely to finally meet your voice too, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's great to hear your voice, Ricky, and I hope to see you soon. <sighs> well, okay, so there's like two other vegans here. Isn't that cool? But it's not like there could possibly any more than the three of us here in Invercargill, the three Invercargill vegans in this village. What's 
me today. I have my friend Dan. How are you today, Dan? Uh, good, thank you. And Dan is the ve nice vegan woman I met when I saw a, a certain bumper sticker on her car, and I thought, oh my god, the car says vegan on it. And at first I couldn't believe it. I was going to going to the supermarket with my father at the time. I'd just finished work one Saturday a few months ago, and I saw this word vegan, and like we're driving past like normal speed down Tweed Street, and I'm like, I didn't see the V word, did I? You know, the V word. I never see the V word in Invercargill. Because, um, a few a few months before that, I went to Dunedin and I saw a critical mass, the, the bike protest movement, and they, their poster said vegan on it. I'm like, <gasps> you know, there's actual other vegans in the South Island. And then I'm like, wow, seeing another vegan in Invercargill? Wow. So, um, I, I like, totally on the way back, we went to the supermarket, New World, South City, and on the way back, I, like, um, went in and knocked on the door and said, uh, hi, I'm looking for the owner of that uh, silver car, and it's got, like, a sticker on it. And guess who opened the door? It was Dan. Yeah, hi. Um, that was actually quite scary episode because me, I just moved down <laughs> to Southland from Auckland in January, and me and my flatmates it was Saturday morning or something. We opened the door and this really tall guy in blue overalls standing there, and he's like, "Whose car is that?" I'm like, uh, mine. "Whose car is that?" I said, "Didn't I?" I said it like that. That's and then he asked, Thunder "Are you vegan?" Right? And we're like, "Is he gonna beat us up?" Thunder and lightning, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but um. Yeah, and no, I was just really good meeting other vegans down here. Like, I've been, all my friends tease me, you're going to be the only vegan in Southland. There's nobody else. <laughs> so it was really good to know. Yeah. So you lived in Auckland before, and how was it like being vegan in Auckland? Um, I've only been vegan for the last two years, although okay. I have been vegetarian since I was 15. Um, being vegan We're not going to ask her how old she is now. You never oh, ask a woman's age. No, that's fine. I'm 24 <laughs> end of this year. Same so, yeah, no, but, um, like, I think the thing is, in New Zealand, generally, there's a lot of vegetarians, but vegans, like, true vegans, no dairy, no animal product, products, that sort of people, there's not that many, in a lot of restaurants, they will do vegetarian meals and things, but when you ask for vegan meal, they kind of go blank and they don't know what to cook because I've had instances where I went to places and they keep giving you like roasted tomatoes or roasted mushrooms and bread and so yeah it's still hard in Auckland um, but there are a few places there's certainly a lot more um, places to eat and things like that but we're building a little community slowly I know you know Elizabeth Yes. In Auckland and a couple other people as well. Yes, yeah. uh, William Paul and a few others. And Emmy James is moving from Hamilton to Auckland, so that's exciting for Emmy. Um, Hamilton's not that vegan friendly, although they have two vegan restaurants in Hamilton. Which... They do. They have a Hare Krishna one, which has been there for years and years. Mm. So I'm looking forward to when we get one in Invercargill, and it's just a matter of demand, I guess. So, yeah. Um, were you, I mean, you left the bumper sticker on your car when you came down here, or did yeah, you? Yeah, no, no, I did. I got my car shipped down from Auckland okay. on the train, and we decided to leave it on there. <laughs> um, as, well, we all have freedom of expression, and we should let people know, spread the message, because um, if you don't expose people to these th sort of things, um, how is it going to come into their consciousness? Mm. Not many people think about these things by themselves. Um, like I was introduced to veganism through a meditation group. Okay. It wasn't. It didn't come to me naturally to think that oh, I maybe I should stop having mm. milk and stuff like that. 
Well, it's really exciting to think that there are more vegans coming here, and I love that. I mean, it was great seeing just that little bumper sticker. It made a big difference to me, and I'm yeah. sure lots of other people have noticed it. No, Tiffany. Well, everybody at work knows which car is mine. <laughs> so you, and you mentioned you work at the hospital, and that yes, there are other vegans and well, vegetarians too there. I know there are a few vegetarians there, vegans. I'm not too sure, but I know there's a few nurses and doctors that are certainly vegetarians. Um, unfortunately, the cafeteria is not terribly great for vegetarian options. <laughs> Well, it's really yeah. cool to think that there are other vegetarians and maybe yeah. there are vegans there as well and no. that's something definitely to work for. Yeah, and just as well you mentioned the vegan sticker, I've had other people in the street where I've parked just come up to start talking about it because they've saw the bumper sticker mm. and they're not vegetarians themselves, but gets the conversation going. So um, you mentioned you went vegan for ethical reasons? Yep, yep. So I was vegetarian for a quite a few years but and also we were lactovegetarian so we didn't eat um, eggs or you know fish we only had dairy products and also eat with the cheese we had to buy vegetarian cheese because okay. they use cow rennet to set the thing I, I always find that funny with um, yeah. vegetarian friends and they get upset about the enzymes and you think but don't you get upset about killing them and, and force <laughs> them into a pregnancy and the idea of drinking someone's you know milk from yeah you know, well that's the thing it's, it's like, funny though isn't it when, when you're the only vegan around the sort of vegetarians and they mention that sort of thing oh my mm. god it's got rennet in it and you know what that's got in it it's got like sort of you know enzymes yeah you know. yeah yeah <laughs> but the thing was like well basically a lot of people started asking me it's like oh so what do you drink milk and and then makes you think logically <laughs> about why you actually do I was like oh actually you don't kill the cows but the fact is in the dairy industry there are a lot of practices that are quite cruel to the animal and also for environmental reasons like just I'm just not for animal agriculture because those animals there wouldn't be so many animals around if we didn't keep breeding oh, them course. and breeding them um, and I don't believe in using animals for food. Well, I think um, Professor Gary Francione mentions there's more cruelty and more suffering and it's not a glass of milk because a pound, whatever the heck a pound is, I think mm -hmm. it's half a kilogram for us metric countries. Five, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> um, half a kilogram, let's say, of so-called steak as they keep the animals alive longer and the forced impregnations and killing the baby calves. At the moment they're talking about bobby calf season and by the way I'm doing ear quotes to the microphone, yeah. um, which can't quite see but I'm still doing them. Um, they mention it's bobby calf season when the male calves are being born as well as the female calves and, and they kill them and they, they talk about doing it mm -hmm. the best way, the humane, humane way they say, the, the wealthier way is with a shotgun or a rifle or something like that. And the so-called bad way is using a hammer and, and it's just nothing we want to do with, I mean, hammering baby male calves to death with a hammer. Um, well, that's the thing, it's hypocrisy as well because people get so outraged on TV seeing like baby seals getting hammered to death, but mm. the same thing is happening to cows. Mm. Do you think it's here. effective to use graphic images? Because I personally don't ever like using sort of blood and guts. I mean, I think if I had my way, everyone would see movies like Earth Things and Things, you know, voluntarily, mm -hmm. but I, I don't want to. Um, wear, I have friends that wear some violent sort of t shirts and no, it's sort of like I, blood and guts. And Well, mm. that's the thing, it's, I feel, I've I talk to people about it, certainly, but I feel it needs to be up to themselves to decide. I think everybody in their conscience, they need to feel this is something they believe in rather than getting that forced up on them, because that's not really true <laughs> progress or true belief. <laughs> yeah. 
I always like when they say, oh, you're, I mean, I'm all for people having different opinions, but you're forcing your beliefs down my throat. And I think, well, what are you forcing down your throat? You know, you're forcing someone down your throat. <laughs> and I think maybe if we have violent images and things, then it really is like we're the violent ones when we should be seen as the peaceful ones and the gentle ones, I think, rather than the violent ones who, yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing, you mentioned working at the hospital, and um, I've been to the old the old hospital, the old Sultan Hospital before, and we were walking, um, well, we were working around the morgue there, and, and I've always thought, you know, I've got friends that work at the hospital, and I've been through most of the facilities and things, mm -hmm. and um, just seeing it, and it made me think, you know, I, when I first went vegan, I started looking at some autopsy videos and things, and I was thinking, gee, my body really looks like that, you know, I'm made out of meat too, I don't want to to be responsible for that sort of thing, you know, I don't want to touch them, and, you know, I've been a pallbearer and things, but, you know, other dead bodies, you know, we're all animals, we're all Well, that's the thing, flesh, if you look you know. at the science, every single thing in the world, living or non-living, is made out of atoms, electrons, <laughs> and if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, I think, like, I know in Buddhism, or maybe some other religion, they think that the soul of the animal and the soul of the human is the same, you're the same as the animal, as a plant, um, so every sentient being, every living being is the same. Hmm. Well, I came to it through sort of like an atheist point of view, and I just sort of mm -hmm. seeing it as that, you know, my chicken friends, obviously I don't really see any reason why they wouldn't have the same emotions that I do. I mean, they look forward mm -hmm. to seeing me every day, and it's not because I come every day with food or anything. I mean, I don't have mm -hmm. food, but they know when I'm going to be home and things, and no. I don't know, they don't exactly have a watch or an iPhone to keep track of time, but they obviously know, oh, it's sort of, you know, this point of day with the sun, they know it's mm -hmm. the afternoon, the morning, cold, what. Um, I'm sure that they have emotions, that they have feelings, that they're just like me. And I just sort of saw it from Richard Dawkins' evolution, that we're all animals, and I, I saw it from that point of view. Yeah, no, totally. I think a lot of people, they um, don't understand how intelligent animals are. Like pigs, cows, extremely intelligent animal, like you wouldn't eat your pets, your cats, dogs. Mm. And cows, pigs, other farm animals, they can be just as smart <laughs> and have the same emotions, like you say. Well, I think like with animals like birds, which I mean, we always growing growing up traditionally, there's been things about bird brain that birds are stupid just because they have smaller brains or whatever. But now we seem to be looking and seeing that I mean, the communication skills, for example, we use Twitter, you know, birds, um, and I'm sure that chickens have a language of their own, and they obviously have different signals, different words. I don't know what you'd call you know their chicken language, obviously. Um, for different predators, they make different noises when they see cats or other birds and they behave differently, they tell each other different things obviously. Mm. And um, I think it's just great to come to it from that point of view. Like what you said as well, even if like they are not as intelligent as humans, I think as a supposedly more intelligent animal that we have the responsibility to look after the least. <laughs> I mean the animals that can't protect yeah. themselves. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? We help yeah. people who can't help themselves more than... Yeah, like we help the disabled, hmm. the handicapped. And we help the ultra-rich because they're the minority, you know. We always give them tax cuts and things. Wow. They need mm. it. <laughs> the most yeah. successful people, they need help too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have that problem as yet. You know, I need a higher tax bracket. I haven't quite gotten there, but, you know, there's still time yet for my handouts from the government. Um, it's, it's just great to know other vegans, and I was thinking... How how um, I see some people that get upset with this live export thing in Australia, and they say that I'm a meat eater, but I care about animal rights. And I think, pardon, you know, I sort of pointed out very gently and very politely that you know let's look at our own actions too, rather than just blaming but that's like the thing, a big corporate like thing. They view 
they don't view killing them as a cruel, uh, mm. as cruelty, but killing is ultimate cruelty. Because we grow up life. with it, right? You know, we grow up with some things like we might think killing whales is worse than killing you know, chickens or cows. Yeah, or like you say, like. Well, I, I definitely think. I mean, I think we should be able to speak clearly about how we feel. Like you mentioned, you've got a, a, a bumper sticker on your car, for example. Okay. Um, I often have my badges on or uh, clothing. I only have gentle and non-violent sort of things. Um, I think surely, like I always sort of correct my friends if they call another animal an it, or if they say animals, I always prefer to say like other animals, they are other animals, I mean it mm. sounds a bit weird, hello I'm Jordan Wyatt, I'm an animal, um, we don't exactly say that but obviously mm. we're, we're all the same um, and that I do think it's important that we can speak up for these things and we don't have to mm. pretend otherwise and I think it's it's great to know you Dan and, and thank you for stopping no, by and, and thank you for appearing on my podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, there we go. So far, the Invercargill Vegan Society has four full Living in Invercargill vegan members. Jordan, Natalie, Dan, uh, Ricky. <laughs> Had to count them all then. We also have lots of honorary members around the world who are just as valid, although it's kind of nice having numbers here for participation in parades and the like. Might have to work on those in the future. I'd like to thank Natalie, Ricky, and Dan for all contacting me for getting in touch and being my vegan friends who also live in my city, Invercargill at the bottom of New Zealand. There are vegans everywhere, even at the bottom of the world. As I've mentioned on the Invercargill Vegan Society website, www.invsoc.org.nz, Invisoc, the southernmost vegan society in the world, with tiny print at the bottom of the page. Actual southernmost vegan society status unproven. However, my version of Google Maps mentions here be monsters and places further south. And we all know how much Nessie likes the taste of herbivorous flesh. Someone tall man or woman lands on Bluff, Stewart Island, Antarctica, tip of South America. Invisoc holds the title. Deal with it, South Pole Vegan Association. Huh, you're technically ineligible anyway. I'm really excited to be flying up to Auckland in a few days to the National Animal Rights Conference. As long as the plane doesn't crap out, that I'm not stuck on some South Pacific desert island with an obese guy called Hurley who only puts on weight throughout the season stranded on that rock. Hmm, like Ricky Gervais suggested. One of the biggest events in TV this year was the finale of Lost, one of my favourites, and uh, all the questions were answered, yeah. Um, I have to say, though, it was quite a complicated finale. I'm not sure I totally understood it all, but from what I can make out, I'm pretty sure the fat one ate them all. Uh, I... But that doesn't happen in real life, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz. If you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. Please send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com. J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, Jordan Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.